for those of you, I think most of you guys know, uh, my name is Bracton. Every time I preach, I always give a whole kind of a bit of a testimony so everybody knows who I am. Um, but for the majority, I think everybody's probably heard it about 20 times by now. And you're rolling your eyes and saying, Bracton, it feels like there's like 30 of you. It's just the same story over and over again. So this morning, I thought I'd mix it up to kind of help introduce myself to the few of you that I don't know. Um, again, my name is Bracton. I'm 22 years old. I'm a big fan of Superman. As you can see, I always try to make sure I got some kind of funny, better sock on when I'm trying to dress up a little bit, um, just to kind of even out the weight of, of goofiness, but also mature, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, fun fact about me, um, I shaved my head a few months ago, and I'm actually balding a little bit. And right up in here, you can't see it now. Um, I get that from Dad, I guess. Uh, but yeah, 22 years old, and just right quickly, God called me into ministry when I was um, about 11 years old, and since then it's kind of been a back and forth battle of trying to figure out what that call was, if that's what I was going to be doing, and blah blah blah. Anyway, here we are today. Um, God has called me into youth ministry, and so I'm actively pursuing that. Um, I spent a semester over in Sussex, New Brunswick, attending Kingswood University. Um, it wasn't a very long time, but it was long enough for God to um, kind of just spark a new fire and a new passion inside me. Um, and when I left there, I left knowing that I was there for a purpose, I was there for that time, that God did what he needed to do in my life. Um, and now I'm doing uh, my studies online at home. I just finished class last week, and sadly I gotta start one uh, tomorrow. A week break is nice though. Um, and yeah, that's kind of my life in a nutshell. Um, the pastors are gone this week, in case you haven't noticed, that's why I'm here. Um, they've been going through a series on the book of Mark. Um, and so while they're gone, they asked if I'd kind of continue that on for them. And so I'm going to do my best to, to fill their shoes a little bit today and keep this, uh, this ball rolling. So as you can see on the screen, um, since Jesus eats with sinners, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, so if you want to grab your Bibles, whether that's on your phone or whether it's in, your, in the physical book, uh, whatever it is, grab your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 2. We're going to be starting at verse... 13 and reading down to 17. You have no idea how awkward it was sitting down in the front because on the back of my shirt untucked a little bit and it was driving me nuts the whole time we were singing because I could feel that there was like a little extra breeze in the back and I didn't want to reach down and try and fix that in front of everybody. So it's nice that I'm up here and trying to slip that in. Um, <laughs> so Mark chapter 2, 13 to 17, it says this. It says, once again, Jesus went... Out beside the lake, a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? By hearing this, Jesus said to him, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. For I have not come to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. Let's pray before we dive in. Heavenly Father, Lord, again, we thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather in this place together um, as a church body. Lord, I thank you for the beautiful weather. It's awesome to see. Um, God, this morning... I just want to pray for each and every person that's in this room. God, whether they know it or not, Lord, you have a purpose and you have a plan for them. You have a purpose that they're here this morning. 
Whether they think that they just got up and said, oh, it's Sunday, it's my, gotta go to church, big whoop. Or whether they're here because they wanna have an encounter with you, God. Lord, you have a purpose and a plan for each and every person. So God, I pray for open hearts, I pray for open ears to receive all that you have for everyone this morning, God. Lord, I wanna pray for me as well as I, as I bring your word that God, it would not be me speaking to these people, but God, it would be you speaking through me. Hide me behind your cross, God. Help me not to just to speak your word, but God, to preach it boldly. God, we want to hear from you today. I want to hear from you today. God, we want to have an encounter with you. God, we want to leave this place changed and different than when we came in. God, you're a good God, and we, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Yeah. I got a new kind of water bottle this morning. I went across the road. Usually I have a cap one, and I'm constantly putting the cap back on, and I'm grabbing it, taking it off, and I just start to annoy myself by the end of the message. And so I got this one, it's got a little lid. But as I was trying to open it this morning, nobody's seen it, thank goodness. I was sitting down there, and I was squeezing it, and it would not open, and it finally popped. But at the same time it popped, the air kind of came out of it, and I ended up squeezing the bottle. It went all over my pants, but it dried pretty quick, so that's good. <laughs> so Jesus eats with sinners. So before we get into um, kind of the meat of the message, the, the bigger picture of the message, we've got to talk about um, one guy really specifically, and his name is Jesus. You may or may not have heard of him before. Um, a couple cool facts about Jesus is one, he's the son of God. Mind-blowing, right? Nobody knew that. This guy's up here dropping facts. He's, he's changing everything. We did not know this stuff before. Jesus is the son of God. Okay, and here's where it gets a little crazier. Jesus was a master Torah teacher. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, the Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament. Okay, that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, in order to be a master Torah teacher back in Bible times, you had to have had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized completely by heart. That's a lot of reading. That's a lot of stuff to memorize. Okay? So Jesus was a master Torah teacher. Another thing Jesus was, was Jesus was a teacher who taught with authority. Now, there's a, a different word that's for authority, but I couldn't pronounce it, so same thing. It means authority. Jesus was a teacher who taught with authority. Now, we thought that the, the memorizing the first five books was a little bit crazy. Okay. In order for you to be able to teach with authority, back in Bible times, was if the two rabbis took you to a public place, they gathered people around, kind of like this, and one rabbi came and put his hand on you, and the other rabbi came on the other side, put his hand on the other shoulder, and this guy says, look, I teach with authority. And this guy says, I teach with authority. And with the authority that we have, we want to give you the authority to teach. Okay? So, cool fact about Jesus He's actually the only rabbi, the only teacher to ever get his authority straight from God. Okay? Now here's where it gets really crazy. So Jesus was a master Torah teacher who taught with authority. Now in order to be able to carry that title, to be a person who did both those things, not only did you have to have the whole first five books of the Old Testament memorized, but you had to have the whole Old Testament memorized. Okay? So this is Jesus. He's got the whole Old Testament memorized. 
And you know what the Bible says? It says that we're called to be like Jesus. So this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to start memorizing, okay? So we're going to go Genesis 1-1. We're just going to read. We'll see how far we get. we got a little bit of time. Um, let's see what we can do. No, that's crazy. <laughs> if you did the math, there's over 20, what was it? 23,000 verses in, it says the Bible. It's supposed to say the Old Testament. I messed that up. 23,000 verses in the Old Testament, depending on which translation you read. So, at 30 words a day, reading and memorizing, 30 words a day, it would take you 60, 63 years to memorize the whole Old Testament. That's not just reading 30 words a day. That's reading, memorizing, then the next day waking up, reading, memorizing, and remembering the day before, and doing that for 60 plus years. That's a lot of reading. That's a lot of memorizing. Now, some of you are sitting there going, this kid is crazy. He wants us to read and memorize the whole Old Testament. I don't have 60 some years left. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a bit on the, the weird side. <laughs> but I just want to say breathe. Okay? We don't, we don't have to do that. Never in the Bible does it say that we are called specifically that we have to, to memorize this whole Old Testament if we are to be um, in heaven with Christ. See, God loves you whether you own a Bible or whether you do not. He loves you whether you read your Bible or not. He loves you whether you go to church or not. See, God is absolutely crazy about you. He loves you with a love that is unconditional. His love for you does not depend on the 15 minutes when you wake up in the morning that you set aside for your devotions and then you don't invite him into the rest of your day. Because you see, we seem to put God in this box that we call our, our devotional time or our study time <clears throat> that we only open for a specific moment of day. A lot of us is in the morning or right before we go to bed. But in reality, we need to be inviting God into every aspect of our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I know from personal experience that, that there's probably many of us who are guilty of waking up in the morning and what's the first thing we do? We pull out our imaginary cell phones. Oh, my phone's the camera, okay. We pull out our phones and we turn to Facebook or the news or we turn on the TV and we see what's going on in the world, especially now with the elections going on. That's probably happening a lot this week. And you see, God can speak to us through Facebook and he can speak to us through Instagram and if you still have Twitter, you can do that too, uh, or email or the TV. God can speak through those things. I mean, in the Old Testament, God, Old Testament, whatever, God speaks through a donkey. <laughs> Pretty sure he can use your phone. But you see, God speaks through those things, but God is, is screaming through his word. Yes, amen. He's, he's calling out to us through his word. Amen. Going back to, to talking about the memorizing the Old Testament, here's a little bit of encouragement for you guys. If you know more about God's word today, than you did yesterday, then you're on the right track. If you know more about God's word today than you did last week or last month, then slowly but surely, you're still on the right track. Okay? Now I'm not saying, oh, read your Bible once a month or once a week or whatever. Try to do it as much as possible. But if you know more about God's word today than you did yesterday or any time before, then you are slowly on the right track to becoming more like Jesus. See, reading the Bible is not 
not something that we have to do. It's something that we get to do. It's an honor and a privilege that God would give us his word that we can take with us, especially now with our cell phones, we take with us anywhere that we go. We have with us 24-7. So often we find ourselves at the end of the day asking God, like, God, where were you? I did not feel you today. I didn't feel you move. God, why aren't you working in my life? Where are you, God? It's a popular question nowadays. Where are you, God? And God says, look, I'm right here. See, we all want God to say something. We all want God to speak to us and to move in our lives. But yet our Bibles stay closed and they go on the shelves and collect us. I feel like my Bible's just going to fly off this thing. We'll put it there. Finally, Jesus was a genius teacher. Again, there's a fancier Hebrew word for this, but I couldn't pronounce it and I didn't want to try. And so, basically, genius. Jesus was a genius teacher. Now, one of the ways that, that he was a genius teacher is, is he, would, he, would, uh, he would give a hint or a clue when he was talking to his disciples. He would give a hint or a clue that would make his, the people kind of have to find, figure out the answer for themselves. They'd have to dig a little bit deeper to figure out what the answer was or what Jesus was talking about. And it brings a whole new, um, I don't know, meaning of understanding whenever you actually figure it out for yourself rather than someone saying, hey, look, it's like, oh, cool. It goes in one ear and out the other. For example, has anybody here seen any of the Toy Story movies? I've seen them a couple of times. Nobody's seen Toy Story movies? Okay, there we go. A couple of hands. Toy Story movies. If I was to give you a hint or a clue, and I was to say, um, what does Buzz Lightyear say? You would respond with? To infinity and beyond. Why do we know that? Because we share a knowledge of Toy Story 1, 2, 3, and 4. And that's kind of the way it was with Jesus. He would give us a hint or a clue, and those people that knew, or even didn't know, they'd figure out the answer for themselves, and it brought a deeper meaning to um, understanding what Jesus was trying to say. And it can be really confusing to see in the Bible because sometimes the disciples get kind of confused, but once they realize it, then they're changed forever. Another example of this is when Jesus is on the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And now many people will believe and we can see that, that when Jesus is saying this, he's kind of referencing back to uh, the Old Testament and David's writings in Psalm 22. And we're not going to read that today, but I want to encourage you in your spare time to go back, even today, to go back and read the story of Jesus on the cross and then read Psalm 22. Because the story of Jesus on the cross, we get a good picture of what, what Jesus went through and all that stuff. And when we read Psalm 22, we get, we get into the nitty-gritty. We see the small details that we don't see in the New Testament. So when Jesus is saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's referencing back to Psalm 22. And everybody who was there for Jesus' uh, crucifixion they instantly go, okay, I get what he's going through. I understand what's happening now. Does any of this make any sense? <laughs> We're kind of all over the place, but does this make any sense to anybody? Just give me a little head nod. Okay, I guess so. Just move on a little bit. All right. Okay, so now that we understand um, more about Jesus and who he is, now we need to look at the tax collectors and the sinners that we hear in the story. We need to figure out who they are, what they did, and what their relationship with Jesus and God and the Pharisees and all those people were. Um, when you hear of a tax collector in the Bible, what's a name that immediately pops into your head? 
Zacchaeus. I heard. I think I heard. I think I made it to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna jump from from Mark. And we're gonna skip ahead a little bit. Sorry, pastors, if you're watching. And we're gonna to go to Luke and kind of look at the story of Zacchaeus to help us get a better understanding of our passage in Mark. So we're gonna to turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 down to 10. Says Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So in this story, we got, we got three different or four different groups of people. Okay? We got the crowd, we've got the, the Sadducees, we got Zacchaeus, and then we got us. So we're going to try and figure out what did they hear? What did we hear in this story? We'll start with the crowd. We're going back to verse number 9. It said, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Now, for the Hebrew word for, for God's salvation was Yeshua. When Gabriel came to Mary, we're going to hear a lot about this in the coming weeks, so get ready. Uh, when, when Gabriel came to Mary, he told her that she was going to have a son, that she was to call him Yeshua. Now, when the crowd hears that God's salvation has come to his house, do we think that, that, they, that Jesus is literally saying, look, I'm coming to your house? I think maybe. But he also, could he be saying that, that, that Jesus is God's salvation? Kind of the same thing. Do they hear that, oh, Jesus is going to his house? Or do they hear that Jesus is the Son of God? He is the salvation that we've been looking for. And it brings up more questions of who is this guy? So no wonder they're, they're kind of asking questions. They're wanting to figure this out. They're wondering, what is Jesus talking about? Next, we've got the Sadducees. Luke 19 says... 1910 said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Remember that, that, that uh, the hinter clue that we were talking about earlier? Jesus is kind of doing this again in this passage. He's kind of hitting back at um, Ezekiel 34 16, which says, I will, It's a little bit different, but it's kind of basically the same thing. Different wording. It says, I will search for the lost and bring back the straits. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. So it's no wonder that the Sadducees, the religious people, wanted to kill Jesus. Because in Luke, it ends with a period. It says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Period. Awesome. But in Ezekiel, it says, 
but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. So Jesus is basically saying, look, you guys that you think you have it all together, like, I'm here now and I'm going to deal with you guys in a bit. So it's no wonder that those guys wanted Jesus dead. Next we got Zacchaeus. I think Zacchaeus, he hears something up in the tree that he probably hasn't heard for quite a time. And that's simply just his name, Zacchaeus. Has anybody here ever forgotten somebody's name? Somebody that, that you're supposed to know, okay? That is awkward. <laughs> it's not too bad when you're in a church setting because you can just say, hey, brother, or hey, sister. <laughs> but, but when you go into somebody and you go, I recognize that face, but I can't think of their name. Sadly, this happens to me a lot, especially at youth rallies. And so I end up trying to be goofy around the person I'm supposed to know and act like I know them really well and then just hope that they say their name or that someone else says their name so that I kind of can, can go along with it. But we, it's, when we forget someone's name, it's kind of, it's kind of like a... It's kind of dehumanizing. It kind of takes away a, a chunk of our identity. It makes us wonder, like, 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 do we even exist? Do we even matter? It kind of makes us question ourselves. So Zacchaeus, he gets up in this tree, and the people at the bottom, they're grumbling, and they say that Jesus is going to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. But what many people don't know is that being a sinner was kind of part of Zacchaeus' job, really. Because you see, the rabbis, the religious people, they had to, somehow, they had to gather money. But according to the Torah, that they weren't allowed to touch a graven image, and the money had the face of Caesar on it. So if they were to touch this money, they would be considered unclean, and they would be considered a sinner. And so what do they do? They find a loophole, and they say, hey, I know this guy, his name is Zacchaeus, ding, ding, ding. Hey, Zach, we got an awesome job for you. Come on down. Zacchaeus comes over. They say, just go around and grab some money. Take money from people. He says, okay, sounds good. The rabbis go away laughing. And now Zacchaeus is considered unclean and is considered a sinner. Verse 7 said, uh, All people saw this and began to mutter that he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. These people didn't like tax collectors. I mean, nobody here likes tax season. It's kind of similar. We don't go around with a bumper sticker or a license plate that says, hey, I love tax season or I love tax collectors. Just like we barely see, you're going to hate this, Grandpa, but i got to say it. We don't really see license plates that say Toronto Maple Leafs are awesome on it anywhere. It's the same thing. Same thing. We don't like tax collectors. These people did not like tax collectors. But you see, these people, again, what did they say? He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. They didn't say he's gone to be the guest of Zacchaeus' house. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't talk like that. I don't say, hey, look, I'm going to go have supper with the, with the potato farmer. Or I'm going to go have supper with the, the lobster fisherman or the oil driver. Oil driver? Oil truck driver. You would say, look, I'm going to go have supper with my buddy Troy. I'm going to go have supper with... Uh, Forget your name. I'm just joking. joking. <laughs> Daryl. We use names. We, tell, we use people's names. We don't just call them by what they, their, their job is. And see, Zacchaeus' name has meaning. If you Google it and you look on the, whatever the website's called, Baby Name Dictionary or something, you Google Zacchaeus, it comes up. Zacchaeus' name actually means pure. P-U-R-E. 
Now, I don't know about you guys, but for me, that's good news. You see, everyone put Zacchaeus up in that tree by saying, Zacchaeus, you are a sinner. Well, then Jesus comes along and says, hey, hey, pure, come on out of that tree. And I don't know about you, but for me, this morning, that is good news. Because I know for, for myself, there's many times in my life where I felt very far from pure. But it's in those moments that, that God is saying, hey, look, I still see you for who you really are, and you are pure. See, God, he doesn't see what you did. He sees what he did to declare what was done. He doesn't see your past, but he sees your future. He doesn't see what's present in your life. He sees what's possible through him. And I want to encourage you guys this morning to not get so focused on the little rearview mirror that's right here when God has a windshield right in front of you. So you're not a sinner if you're in Christ. You are bought and you are paid for with a price. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High King. You are called and you are gifted and you have a destiny and a purpose for this earth. God put you here for a reason. I've said this before and I'll say it again is the phrase, I'm just a sinner saved by grace is one of the biggest turnoffs to me. Because if you are in Christ, that phrase is for, nothing could be further from the truth. Because if you are in Christ, you are not a sinner. That is not your identity anymore. Sometimes you may sin, you may stumble, you may slip up just a little bit. But if you are in Christ, in those moments, you immediately say, look, God, I messed up. God, I need you. I need you to forgive me. I'm going to do better. You are not a sinner. That is not your identity. You are a son and a daughter of the king. And that should make all the difference in our lives. We are not Sinners are not our identities when we are in Christ. Because you see, Jesus calls you pure. You're pure. Whether you feel like it or not, Jesus sees you as pure. So, in the crowd, they heard Jesus claim that he is the Son of God. And the Sadducees hear Jesus quote Ezekiel 34, 16 and basically say, Hey, look, I'm coming for you. Not in a bad kind of way, but I'm here to set things right. Uh, and then Zacchaeus just simply hears his name. So now, what do we hear? Right now we hear the, water, the sound of water going down my throat. But what do we hear in the story? I think that there are people in trees. There are people in this room who are in trees. There are people at our work who are in trees. There's people at school who are in trees. There's people all around us in just our everyday lives who are stuck up in their trees. So my challenge for you this week and the weeks ahead is see them as Jesus sees them. See them as pure. Don't look at their, their present situation, but what could be in Christ. Not what they're currently doing, but what has been done for them. Deceive them as Jesus sees them. I want to give you a quick example of how difficult this really could be. Um, if you have a cell phone or you have the news within the last couple of years, you would have seen um, this picture. I don't know. This picture here. I don't know. Can you see that? Okay. There's a lineup of, of guys in the back dressed in black. They got masks on. Then right in front of them is a lineup of guys in orange jumpsuits 
down on their knees. I think you know uh, what's going to happen or what happens next. You see, the news, the media, they always tell us the, guy, the names of the guys in the orange jumpsuits. It's blurred out there, but they tell us the names of the guys in the orange, but they never tell us the names of the guys in the black. Well, let me tell you this. We don't need to know their names, because you know what? That guy's name, Zacchaeus. And that guy's name, Zacchaeus. And that guy's name is Zacchaeus. And God sees them as pure. That's tough. That's hard. See, the difference between how God sees them and how we see them is two totally different extremes. And it is hard. But with Christ, He never promises that it's going to be easy, but He promises it'll be possible. It's possible with Christ. Because faith and following Christ it never, makes, never makes things easy. What I tell people is, you know what? When you accept Christ, your life is going to be changed. But if anything, it might even get a little bit harder. But with Christ, you'll be able to get through it. It's possible with Christ. You're pure. People in the trees are pure. Those guys are pure. Right quick, I just want to jump back to to Mark. The worship team wants to come in and get ready and we'll wrap this up a little bit. So Mark chapter 2, Jesus is sitting and he's eating with these sinners and these tax collectors, okay? But now when we read this story, we kind of get a different idea, a better view of what's going on in Jesus' head. He sits and he eats with all these people that, that everyone else would probably just try to avoid, like the plague. But Jesus sees pure. He sees them in their trees and he's calling out to them and he wants to have a relationship with them. He wants to have a relationship with these people that nobody else would. So while we're also talking about names a bit, um, you may have noticed in the beginning of, of these scriptures in Mark that Jesus specifically calls out a guy named Levi. And does anybody know what the name Levi means? Does anybody in here have the name Levi? Cool. So we see Jesus sees these people as pure. He sees them as people and not as, as, as their, their jobs. And God, Jesus, wants to have a relationship with them. He wants to be joined in harmony with them. He wants to be joined in harmony and wants to have a relationship with you. So this morning, if you are here and you don't see yourself as pure because you don't have a relationship with God, I want you to know that he's calling out to you. He's tugging on your heart, whether you know it or not. He's talking to you and he's saying, look, you are pure. You are loved. And he's inviting you to come and eat at the table with him. He's inviting you to have a relationship with him. And if you're here this morning and you have a relationship with God, I want to encourage you just to start seeing people in trees. Start seeing people the way that God sees them. Start seeing them as pure. 